National coverage of America's greatest sport. Join us for bi-weekly episodes throughout the season, and remember to subscribe and rate or review the show wherever you get your podcast. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at ultimatecfbpod at gmail.com or via Twitter at CFB underscore ultimate. Welcome back to the Ultimate College Football Podcast as we conclude our series previewing uh, the conferences for this college football season by looking at the Sun Belt. And we're going to begin with the Sun Belt West, a division that is potentially going to produce the top two teams in the Sun Belt and potentially a team that could challenge for a spot in the New Year Six, especially since the AAC appears to be weaker this season with some of their defections to the Big 12 and I'm going to start with South Alabama. I think a lot of people are going to favor them to win the conference. And this is because they were a surprise breakout team last season. They won 10 games. Uh, their only conference loss was to Troy, who ended up winning the conference. That was a very close game. Lost a really close game to UCLA, just a one-point loss to what was a very good Pac-12 team last year. And those were their only two regular season losses. Now you enter year three under Kane Wombach, uh, who's proven himself to be a very good coach and especially as a very strong defensive background. The defense should be elite. They returned nine starters from last season. Uh, and if the offense can take a step forward, which is possible, they return nine starters offensively as well. This is a program that could just be really good and they have an opportunity to make a splash. They go to Tulane in week one. That could be a huge game when you're looking at the New Year Six uh, bowl race uh, between the group of five conferences. The highest ranked conference champion of the group of five makes it to a major bowl game. You've got two of the favorites in their respective conferences going head to head. So big opportunity there for the Jaguars against Tulane. Then week three at Oklahoma State, an opportunity to potentially get a win against a power five program. Oklahoma State certainly has some questions entering the season. It's going to be a very difficult game for South Alabama. I don't expect the Jaguars to win. But uh, South Alabama could definitely uh, put a scare in Oklahoma State. I think it's a winnable game. Remember, last year's Big 12 champion, Kansas State, lost in the regular season to Tulane. So South Alabama, they could be in position to have a truly special season and a big non-conference to set the stage. Uh, But what is really the signature game in the Sun Belt is when South Alabama plays at Troy November 2nd. South Alabama on paper maybe looks to be a little stronger, but Troy is the defending champion and they have the home field advantage in this game. And kind of similar to South Alabama, Troy is a program uh, that has another a really good head coach that is early in his tenure. He is entering only his second season, so a fantastic debut for John Sumrall last year. And he has a very good nucleus returning uh, for this program. They're going to be right in contention and kind of like South Alabama. Troy has some opportunities in the non-conference to make their mark midway through the season to play at Army. But the big opportunity is in week two to go to Kansas State. As we mentioned last year, uh, Tulane, they kind of made their early mark uh, in their run to the Cotton Bowl by defeating eventual Big 12 champion Kansas State. So Kansas State, once again, has a tricky group of five game and a big opportunity for Troy 
to make their move on their march to potentially a New Year's Six Bowl game. Outside of those two, I think there's a pretty big drop-off in the West. Uh, some teams to keep an eye on. Louisiana Lafayette, I think you kind of are obligated to mention them because of all the success they've enjoyed in recent years. But a lot of that success walked out the door uh, when Billy Napier took the Florida job. Uh, they went 6-7 and seven last year. Still probably going to be a bowl team. That's certainly the expectation. Uh, but contending for the conference crown, uh, that would be a pretty big ask. Uh, for head coach Michael Dormu in his second year as the head coach. They certainly, uh, roster-wise, got hit hard when Napier left, and uh, they're trying to uh, rebuild themselves, which will be a tall order when you're comparing uh, where they were just a couple seasons ago. We'll see if the new staff has it in them. Uh, One team I'm pretty interested in is Southern Miss. They took a big step forward last season uh, going to a bowl game, and uh, in year three under Will Hall, If they continue on this trajectory, they could maybe even challenge Troy and South Alabama. At the very least, they could be a sleeper in the West. And you have to really like their ground game. They return the bulk of their offensive line, as well as Frank Gore Jr. He is the son, of course, of Frank Gore, the famous Miami Hurricane, and then later NFL running back, who enjoyed a very long career, largely at San Francisco, but uh, elsewhere as well. Um, actually, to be honest, surprise Gore didn't go into portal because there are a lot of pretty major programs who would have come calling, but he's still at Southern Miss entering his junior season, and he is going to be a workhorse for this offense, and it gives them a chance to uh, be a real sleeper here uh, for the Golden Eagles in their second season uh, as a Sun Belt member. Texas State, I'm interested to see them as they bring a new head coach, uh, CJ Kine from Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word has really uh, emerged as an FCS school, uh, playing great offense. They put a scare at North Dakota State last year in the semifinal game, arguably should have won that game. And the hope is that uh, hiring in state at what is a very successful FCS school. You can bring that style of football to a Texas State program that has struggled mightily since they moved up to the FBS ranks. And hopefully uh, this is the coaching move that can see Texas State finally have some success at this level of football. Uh, We'll see if there are immediate results. Uh, They've been pretty aggressive in the transfer portal, but only one offensive starter from last year uh, back on offense. Three on defense. This is a big rebuild and this year uh, probably you're not going to see many tangible results. The second to the last Western team we're going to look at is Louisiana Monroe and for whatever reason ULM as of late has really struggled to be competitive. Uh, Terry Bowden is entering his third season and uh, he's been in a lot of different places, a lot of different levels, has had success but uh, we're just not seeing it manifest itself for the Warhawks uh, coming off of a 4-8 record last year. And uh, I don't really see a lot uh, there to suggest there's going to be improvement this season beyond maybe just trusting in the Bowden process. And then the last team uh, in the division to mention Arkansas State, a program that used to run the Sun Belt, uh, but they've really fallen off. And the Butch Jones experiment is not going well. Uh, Jones, I think it's safe to say he's on the hot seat entering his third season. He has a 5-19 and record with the Red Wolves, and that is just not going to cut it. Uh, they went 3-9 and nine last year. That is just, you know, pretty terrible. No other way to put it. And uh, I don't see a lot of hope 
that you're going to have improvement, especially when you take into account only two starters offensively return. So Arkansas State probably going to be looking for a new head coach at the end of the season. We're going to move on now to the Sun Belt East, which is a lot more wide open than the West. The West, there's a clear uh, two-team race uh, for the division, at least entering the season. Uh, in the East, the actual defending division champ, James Madison, was ineligible last year in their transition to the FBS, and they are still ineligible this year to actually represent the division in the championship game. So James Madison, of course, a team to keep an eye on, had about as successful of a debut in the Sun Belt as you could hope for, and going into year two, uh, they are expecting more of the same in that program that is used to winning and returning you know, the bulk of last season's team. JMU is definitely a team to keep an eye on, and we'll see if they can maybe even make a splash at the uh, Power 5 level as they go to Virginia Week 2. I think that's definitely a winnable game for James Madison as they could really be a team that emerges in the future for the Sun Belt since James Madison is off of the board as far as being a championship game participant, uh, the team that you probably start with is Coastal Carolina. They have been in many ways the class of the Sun Belt, very consistent as of late. And that includes last year where they were a very inexperienced football team. And while they did take a step backwards, they still were able to play in the Sun Belt championship game. So the hope is that they can continue uh, to win at this level. And it certainly helps that they return Grayson McCall, one of the top quarterbacks in the group of five, a guy who was sought after by Power 5 schools, uh, but has decided to once again stay at Coastal Carolina. His leadership, once again, going to be very important, wasn't very important last year when he was one of the few returners for uh, this offense. And now, uh, he is uh, still going to be a huge leader for a team that is breaking in a new head coach as Jeremy Chadwell left to become the Liberty head coach. In comes Tim Beck, a longtime assistant at some very high-profile colleges, whether it be you know, Texas, Nebraska, NC State most recently. So he gets his uh, chance as the head coach of a very strong program, and I'm interested to see what he does offensively. What Coastal Carolina ran was very unique, certainly something different than what Beck has run, uh, but is he going to stay with that offense, which is new to him, but very familiar with his personnel? particularly the quarterback, uh, Grayson McCall, if it's his skill set very well, or are we going to see more of a you know, traditional, even possibly pro-style offense that Tim Beck has uh, pretty frequently run throughout his uh, tenure. So it'll be interesting to see. It might be kind of a class of cultures that really uh, fizzles out and ends up in disaster, or maybe Coastal Carolina can uh, continue the momentum that they have built. Uh, time will only tell, but they're certainly a team you have to look at here as a real contender in the East. Another team you have to look at is Appalachian State, who has enjoyed tons of success in the Sun Belt since moving up from the FCS. But last year, a very disappointing season. They started hot almost beat North Carolina, beat Texas A&M. They were kind of the talk of college football for a time, but finished 6-6, six and six, missed out on a bowl game, and a lot of pressure on Sean Clark in year four to rebound in what was really a shocking season for Appalachian State on paper. They looked like a, a favorite in the conference and could not live up uh, to that. 
We'll see, though, if that was just an apparition. The Mountaineers have been uh, so consistent for so long that it certainly uh, wouldn't be a surprise to see them bounce back and contend here in the conference. But offensively, uh, they have a lot of new faces. The offensive line is experienced. But skill positions, uh, they're going to be breaking in new players, including at the quarterback position. Uh, defense, they have five returners back as well. So Appalachian State, a team uh, whose fate this year, very kind of up in the air. I think uh, you can make the argument either way for them. And then outside of that, uh, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I think Marshall is the team uh, that probably comes to mind. They are a program that kind of like Appalachian State. They made their mark early last season as they beat Notre Dame, and uh, they fell apart pretty quickly after that. Uh, a lot of close losses uh, really lost a lot of the momentum they had built, but finished the season strong. So the Thundering Herd is certainly a program capable of success, and in year two, maybe Coach Charles Huff uh, can have a division championship. They should certainly be in the hunt, one would think. Uh, but defensively, there are some question marks, only three starters returning. And so uh, that could be a major liability for the Thundering Herd. The rest of the programs in the East, I think they're probably more focused on just getting to a bowl game. Old Dominion, they're coming off of a 3-9 and nine season. Uh, Ricky Rain uh, has been 9-16 and 16 in his two years. So ODU, if you make it to a bowl game, that would be really a huge accomplishment. The division race uh, would seem pretty far-fetched. And then you've got the two Georgia schools, Georgia Southern, overachieved last year, making it to a bowl game in the first year under Clay Helton and what was a pretty transformative season as the Eagles went from an option offense to a spread. The offense uh, took off. It was a seamless transition, which uh, was pretty unusual going from uh, such a different drastically different offense uh, but Georgia Southern made it work uh, so they maybe could challenge for the division who knows but uh, coming off of a bowl appearance they're going to be trying to make it back I think that's a realistic expectation then Georgia State they've had quite a bit of success under Sean Elliott a lot of bowl appearances uh, but now entering his seventh season trying to bounce back after last year's disappointing for an eight year and uh, we'll see if they can get that done. Uh, pretty hard to predict on paper uh, entering this season. But anyways, that's the way the Sun Belt looks. Pretty wide open in the East. The West, you've got two pretty strong candidates that can maybe even contend for a major bowl. Thank you for listening. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast.